The singing sounds wonderful from up here this morning. If you would open your Bibles to uh, the book of, of Psalms, Psalm 19. We're going to continue our, our study of this uh, beautiful psalm. And uh, you might notice that we, we looked at the first six verses last week, and we're going to look at the first six verses again this week. So it's not a mistake. And uh, there's much we can learn from, from the psalm. And then, of course, next week we'll, we'll continue on. So Psalm 19, starting at verse 1. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the, all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. I remember a trip that Arla and I took to Switzerland about 15 years ago. Remember one day we took um, this uh, rail car, funnel car, I don't know what they call them, um, as high up into the Alps as we could go, and we got off and we uh, followed this uh, dirt path um, down the, the mountain and, and across and, and down to this other village, which um, was probably about three, four hours away. And, it was it was beautiful. I, I I wish I could describe it like it like we really saw it. But the the birds, the the, the wild flowers, amazing. The 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 daisies that were everywhere, um, even uh, um, flowers that we've seen here that never get much bigger than this. Um, there they were just huge up on the side of of those mountains, and. Another thing I remember noticing is, is the sound of bells in the air, and we couldn't figure out what in the world was going on until we, we got on top of this little hill, and suddenly there was 50 dairy cows with uh, the big bells, um, the, the, the kind of cows that you see in Switzerland. And uh, they didn't seem bothered by us at all. We just continued to walk down the path, and none of them even moved over. They, they just stood there and... It was really kind of neat. I really found Switzerland to be one of those places where it was just beautiful. The kind of place that you could easily go back again and again. It was kind of one of those memorable experiences. And I remember at one point... Um, we, as we were coming down the, the mountain um, in front of somebody's house, they, they started this little cafe, and so Arla and I sat there. And we started, we, we had a coffee, and as we sat there and, and just looked around us and saw the mountains and saw the greenery and, and saw the wildflowers, and it was just as the psalm said at the very beginning, we were witnessing the glory of God. 
It's like the glory of God was just being proclaimed to us as we sat there. And there's nothing that we needed to say. We just needed to just sit and drink it in and allow God to speak to us. And it's amazing when you have times like that, it just fills you with this sense of joy and this peace that it's hard to find any, any other way. And I remember that peace just seemed to linger with us through the rest of the day. Just those moments we spent just gazing at the, 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 the beauty all around us. This is the ministry of creation for those who take the time to, to look and listen for the voice of God. And as we saw last week, God is speaking and ministering through His creation. He's not silent, but He's speaking all the time. Every day, He's creation around us is proclaiming that there is a God, and He's a mighty God, and a powerful God, and we see a reflection of His glory everywhere that we look. And so last time, we, 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 we talked about who our Creator was, that He was wise and eternal, powerful and glorious. And this morning we're going to focus a little bit differently. We're going to focus on how that ministers to us, that God is all those things. We have to remember that for the glory of God, it's not just something that we hear, it's not just something that we talk about, but it, it's also something that we need to experience. We need to see, we need to taste, we need to feel, we need to be part of it. And that's why I gave you that homework last week. Remember what the homework was? What did you have to go do? Stop and smell the roses. You had to stop and smell the roses. Maybe for some of you, you had to stop and smell the fish before you put it in the live well. But regardless, you are outdoors and in creation. And there's just something that ministers to us about being in creation. Now while we talked in broad terms last week, this week we're going to speak a little bit more uh, specifically. And I want to get a little bit more practical even uh, about some of the things that, that we cover. And the first thing that I want to focus on is how the glory of God helps us become more humble. When we as His creatures stand before our, our, our Father in Heaven, as we stand in His creation and it, it ministers to us, it, it has an effect on us. It has a way of humbling us and reminding us of, of just who we are. You know, there's a number of Psalms in the Bible that speak about how God's glory and creation, it, it, it naturally produces in us the fruit of humility. And, and, and the psalm is, is the same. But I think a psalm that, that I guess came to mind as I was working this past week was, was Psalm 8, which is a psalm that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Listen to some of the words of this. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth! You have set Your glories above the heavens. 
Again, you can hear that similarity with Psalm 19. And then verse 3, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. As David considers God's creation and power, as he sees God's glory reflected through the, 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 the creation around him, how does David react to it? In Psalm 8, verse 4, he says, What is man that you are mindful of him? Mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. David's response is humility, humbleness. As he looks at all that God has created, his mighty works, as he looks up into the heavens, as he sees the stars, the planets, as he sees the loveliness of of a countryside or, or a mountain slope filled with flowers, it's a reminder to him that he too is God's creation and that his God is powerful and mighty. Let me share with you something interesting I, I discovered this, this past week. You know how you can do searches on Google Maps for those of you who are computer literate at all. Um, and as I was doing a, a search on Google Maps, it started out with the world. And then you can focus down, and then it was the United States, and you can focus down, and then it was the Great Lakes, and you can focus down even more, and then it was Michigan. Focus down some more, and it was Chippewa County. Focused a little more, and then it was Rudyard. Focused even more, and then it was the parsonage and, and this church. But you know what really surprised me as I, I did all that? I never saw myself once. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a famous pastor, right? I, I, I make the best applesauce, so people say. Um, my, the lights at Christmas time on the chicken coop, I think you can see them from the space station. I mean, that's how beautiful they are. And yet, despite all that, I was nowhere to be found. Because we're not that important, are we? In God's eyes, we are. But in and of, our, of ourselves, we're not that important. We're God's handiwork. We're His creation. Just as He said in, 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 in Psalm chapter 8, as God created all things, He created us as well. You know, the world would like us to believe that Everything, it evolves around us. Life is about us. And, and when we start to believe things like that, it, it, it fills us with a false pride. It fills us, it, well, it makes us full of ourselves. And, and instead of being focused on others, instead of being used by God, it, it all turns inward. And that's why we need to fight against it. And that's why, again, we need the ministry of creation. That's one of the important things that it, it reminds us of every time we step out the door and look around. It reminds us of who we are. We're God's creation. And, and while He loves us, He loves us so much, He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross to take away our sins. 
That's how much He loves us. But yet at the same time, in and of ourselves, we're nothing. Our worth comes from who we are in Christ Jesus. Look again at the end of verse 4. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Every morning, the sun in all its brilliance and beauty, it, it makes its way across the sky. And at night, it hides itself as, as in a tent. That's how David describes it. That's how David describes this great ball of fire that in God's hands is, is nothing. We can't even begin to hardly understand how it's all possible. But God does. Because He's the Creator. The Creator of all things. Another thing creation ministers to us and, and proclaims is that there's hope. Creation around us It reminds us that there is hope. doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter what's going on in Afghanistan right now or what's happening in the Middle East or what's happening with the Taliban or what could happen as we pull the rest of our, our troops out. We don't have to fear because our God is in control. The God who created all things who made the mountains, the stars, the sun, everything. He's in control. It's all in His hands. And that's why we don't have to be afraid. There's countries right now that are struggling with, with food shortages. Even that is something that our, our God can handle. There's a, a growing debt in our country. Um, it, it, sometimes we just shake our heads at the way our, our, our government just keeps spending money and money and money and, and even there, our God is in control. And we don't have to be afraid. Or maybe let's make it more personal. Maybe the marriage that you're struggling in. The problems you're having with one of your children. Maybe it's alcoholism or an addiction to pornography. Whatever it might be, our God is big enough to help. To help us overcome. To help us get through it. To set us free. We don't have to be overwhelmed. And we don't have to throw up our, our hands and, and just say, I, I, I give up. There's nothing we can do because, you know what? Our God is on the job. And He knows exactly what needs to be done. Listen to Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Why, why include heaven and earth? Why do you think that was included in that psalm? Again, for the very reason of what we're talking about. It's a reminder to the readers that God can handle anything that they're facing. 
whether it be the Philistines, whether it be the Babylonians, whether it be themselves and their struggle against idols. Our help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. See, David frames that. Frames that whole thing in the idea of God is our Creator. And when God is on the job, when God is, when God is working, we have, we have nothing to fear. If God could create everything that we see around us, if God could create the hills and the mountains and the streams and the flowers and the tiniest things that we can't even hardly see, that you need a microscope or a telescope to, to view, if God made all those things, our God can help us. It's interesting to see this the same pattern in, in the prayers of Many in the Bible, when, when facing trouble. Remember the believer's prayer in, 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 in Acts 4? After Peter and John were released from the Sanhedrin? Listen to what they prayed. Sovereign Lord, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. Again, why would they start the prayer that way? With, with those words. Again, because they're placing that prayer where it needs to belong before their Creator, before a mighty God who can do anything. I'm sure it gave them courage. Courage to to face no matter what was before them. Or what about Hezekiah's prayer? As he prayed to God, as the the Assyrians were were about to, to pounce on them, Listen to what Hezekiah prayed. 2 Kings 19.15 O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, You alone are God over the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. There's those words again. Because You've made the heavens and the earth. And while the, the heavens and the earth are, are, are great, our God is greater. Third, creation ministers to us by proclaiming to us that there's, there's healing. Creation ministers to us and reminds us that, that there's healing. And I want to talk quickly about this. This could be a sermon in, in itself, and maybe I will one day this fall, but Listen to some of the things that it does remind us of when it comes to that healing. First, emotional healing, I think from depression, things like that. Secondly, healing from the bondage of lust, and I think sexual perversion, or you could put a number of things there. Years ago, I attended a pastor's conference at John Piper's church in in Minnesota, and he did an autobiography about David Brainerd, who some of you might remember or know that he was a missionary to the, uh, the Indians early on um, when our, our country was first being established. The, 
the conference that, that I used to go to, um, every, every year John Piper would do this, um, focus on a, a different saint from the past. And, and on this year, he focused on, on David Brainerd. And, and so when he, when he does this, he, he, he gives you an overview of his life. He, he tells you everything that he could find about who this person was and how he dealt with the, the uh, conflicts that he faced, the, the, the problems. John Piper said that he read through David Brainerd's entire journal. He kept a journal of, of what he did every day. Um, and and um, David died when he was only 29. He died very young. Um, but as Piper read through this, this journal, you know what he never found mentioned even once in all those pages? Is anything about creation. The beauty of creation. The beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. The beauty of a lake. Of seeing deer run across his path. He never talked about it. Any of those things. It's like he was blind to it. And Piper con- concludes, it's, it's no wonder that, that Brainerd had such a, a, a hard time with depression. It was something that haunted him, something that he, he just could not get away from. But there's a reason for it. While it would have been helpful, I'm sure, back then to, if, to have the medicine that we have today, but that's only a small piece of it. We also need the ministry, the healing that comes through creation around us. And that means our eyes need to be opened. We have to look. We've got to take our blinders off. You know what horses, they used to have blinders so they couldn't see what's on the side of them? We had a horse like that when I was growing up, and it, it was scared of everything. So we put those blinders on him. But in this case, we've got to take those blinders off so that we can see the beauty of God's creation, God's glory all around us, His majesty, His power. And when we don't pay attention, we suffer for it. Spurgeon wrote a a short book in the late 1800s entitled, Lectures to My Students. And the book is basically a, a, a number of essays that were written for pastors, or for anyone really, to encourage them when they struggle with depression or mental health issues. And in this book, there's a, there's a chapter entitled, The Minister's Fainting Fits. The Minister's Fainting Fits. And that's how they talked about depression back then. Listen to what Spurgeon says. Nature lies outside his window, calling him to health and beckoning him to joy. He who forgets the humming of the bees among the heather, the cooing of the wood pigeons in the forest, the song of birds in the woods, the the rippling of rills among the the rushes, and the sighing of the wind among the pines, needs not wonder if his heart forgets to sing and his soul grows, grows heavy. A day's breathing of fresh air upon the hills, or a few hours ramble, in the beechwoods, 
umbraguous calm would sweep the cobwebs out of the brain of scores of our toiling ministers who are now but half alive, a mouthful of sea air, a stiff walk in the wind's face, would not give would not give grace to the soul, but it would yield oxygen to the body, which is second best. And then he finishes with this. The ferns and the rabbits and the streams and the trout, the fir trees and the squirrels, the primrose and the violets, the farmyard, the new mown hay and the fragrant hops, these are best, these are the best medicine for hypochondriacs, the surest tonics, for the declining, the best refreshments for the weary. There's a lot of ways to fight against depression. This is an important one. It's just getting out in creation. And if you're older and you're having a a, a hard time getting around, then maybe it's just getting out onto your deck and sitting there and allowing the birds and the sky and everything you see just minister to you and remind you of what a mighty God we serve. A God who created everything that we see. You know, it's been my experience that when a person is depressed, they're not always open to help. You may have found that yourself. You can tell them why Scripture says they shouldn't feel that way. You can encourage them to claim the promises found in Scripture. But it won't mean anything to them until they experience it. They need to spend time in creation and they need to to hear creation proclaim God's praise. They need to hear creation remind them that we serve a mighty God and that our lives are in His hands. And because of that, there's healing. There's hope. See, when we start with that and and, and we start to glimpse what a mighty God we serve and, and, and we, we, we see His reflection. We, we, we see a, a glimpse of His glory. Then when we open God's Word and dig into Scripture, it becomes all the more meaningful. And we haven't started to talk about Scripture and how important that is. Um, natural revelation, it, it, it only gets you so far. It, it tells us that there's a God and He's a mighty God, a powerful God, but doesn't tell us how to be saved. But we'll be looking at that more next time. I also said I was going to say a little bit about lust. And while I don't have a lot of time this morning, let, let me at least say this to you. Have you ever driven by a... a a strip joint, or, or one of those uh, adult bookstores. You ever driven by one? What's one thing you notice about the building? There's no windows. They, they, they normally don't have windows. Why? 
Well, I think there's a couple reasons. I think one is they, they, they want you to lose track of time, so you stay there and spend lots of money. But I think another reason is, maybe unknowingly, creation around us, the, the, the ministry of, of the heavens, it, it, it doesn't fit well with, with those things that people do in the dark. And fighting their enemy of lust. Where does sexual fantasy and, and, and perversion thrive the best? It's in the dark, right? It's in the dark where no, no, no one else can see you. So how do you battle against this? Well, for one, you've got to get out of those places. But then, I think you need to get out into creation. You need to go out for a walk in the woods and allow creation to minister to you and see its loveliness, its grandeur, its, its, its beauty, its power. And when you see those things, there's no room for those, those tiny little lusts, those sins that want to try to capture your heart. There's no room for it when we're sitting in the presence of God and allowing Him to minister to us. And finally, creation ministers to us by producing happiness and joy in our hearts. Listen again to the imagery of our, our, our passage, the, the words that's being used here. Verse 5, In the heavens He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from its pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run, to run its race. Do you hear the message that David is, is communicating about the revelation of God's glory and creation? His revelation of Himself through the sky. See, when the sun rises and, and pours forth speech about the glory of God, David says that it, 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 it's a joyful celebration. Why else would, would he say it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber? Why would he use that imagery? A bridegroom coming out of its chamber. What do you expect to see on a bridegroom's face when he comes out of his chamber? You're going to see his bride. Joy. Happiness. Peace. This is his day. Seeing his bride should just fill him with this overwhelming sense of joy that, that consumes him. I can tell you he's not excited about his groomsmen standing there. He's excited about seeing his bride. And the point of this is that this is really, you could say, the happiest day of his life. This is the fulfillment of dreams. This is the beginning of a whole new kind of joy. That's what the glory of God is like. That's the message that the sun proclaims to us as it rises in all its beautiful colors, when it sets again in all those beautiful colors. 
that little bit of joy, that sense of peace that we feel, magnify that by a million times. That's our Creator being in His presence. And His ministry to us through the stars, through the sky, through creation, through the heavens. Or look at David's second phrase. The glory of God is like a a strong man's running his race with joy. I think this picture is even more explicit than the last one. When the sun rises and pours forth speech about the glory of God, it's like a strong man that runs his race with joy. All his muscles and tendons and ligaments and organs and mind and emotions, they're all working together. Just as he was created to do. In perfect harmony with joy. He runs for God's glory. All those things God gave him so that he might use them for the glory of God. And that's why he's given us creation again to remind us of that important truth. But in order for that to work, we got to open our ears and listen. We've got to open our eyes and we have to see. For some of you, that means you've got to turn the TV off. At night, instead of sitting there in front of the TV, go outside and let creation minister to you. Drive in your car and go park next to a lake. Let it minister to you. The sky, let it minister to you as God intended it to to do. It'll fill you with this joy that you never thought possible when you allow God to have His way with you. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. I pray that we'll all take the time that we need to allow it to minister to us. To allow creation to minister to us. So that we might hear its song and we might join in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your creation. Lord, for how it ministers to us. Sometimes, Lord, we we don't pay attention to it. We jump in our cars, we go in our houses, we don't even look. We don't even look up. Forgive us, Lord. Open our eyes so that we might see. And we just pray, Lord, that as minister does, as creation does minister to us, we, we, we pray that it might draw us closer to You. And it might fill our heart with a desire for You alone. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. There was an insert in your uh, bulletins, if you would take that out. It should also...